Buongiorno. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you. Grande book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, September 6, 2019. And today we are reading from the big book. We are currently on page 53, the first paragraph, which reads, logic is great stuff. And we're going to read that one paragraph only. Today's readers, we have Tenzin P on the 12 steps. Uh, Tanya G on the 12 traditions and the readers of the text are Liz V, Hoodie R, and Susan H. The uh, share ID for Thursday, September 5th, uh, the 7 a.m. meeting, that would be 13,363. That's 1363. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 13,365. Oh, gosh, um, the newcomer greeter is Amy K, and the host for the second hour is Jen A. All right, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and esperanza, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole proposito, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now I'm going to ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Mm, thank you. Uh, Tenzin P. checking in from New York City, and here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin. Okay, now I'll ask Tanya G to read the 12 traditions. Hey, Tanya, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service and everyone on Team Friday. This is Tanya G, um, compulsive overeater from Louisiana. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Our personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our great purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except to, in matters except affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional for our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, since the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Permission to use the 12 steps of alcohol. 12 Traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous for Adaptation, granted by AA World Service, Inc. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tanya. Appreciate that. Okay, here's how our meeting works. And if, if you'd be kind enough, everyone, if you would be willing to mute your phone, that would be spectacular. Thank you so much. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting is not going to work until you meet your phone. Um, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. Pedal, we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive over yours only. If you go over tres minutos, you will hear a gentle reminder. Um, let's see. Our, da -da 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 -da. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months, and there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And of course, we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, 
let us know by saying passaggio or pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the Grande book on page 53 in the first paragraph. It reads, logic is great stuff. We're just gonna read the one paragraph only. And hey, Liz V, good morning. Hey, Larry. It's Liz V from um, North Carolina. Thank you so much. I'm a I'm recovered uh, composite eater. <clears throat> logic is great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. It is not by chance we were given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses, and to draw conclusions. That is one of man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself to reasonable approach and interpretation. Hence, we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable, why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe, why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. Um, I was thinking about, I did mention to Larry, <laughs> this, this paragraph was a little tough for me. I feel like I, I thought I always believed um, I was agnostic in that I wasn't behaving out of that belief. But logic consistently failed me. Um, before coming to program, um, before I'd even admitted that I was a compulsive overeater, I attempted um, a way of eating. Um, it was this thing called Fit for Life. and I was very excited because there were clear instructions on how to do it. And I felt like I truly just believed that this was a good way for me to um, eat. And I bought all these things, um, a juicer, and I was ready, and I was really excited for the big day. And I could not do it or main, you know, follow those well-written instructions for one day. And I, for a week, every day, night I would be scratching my head going what in the world this is exactly what I wanted to do I put my mind to it it made sense and then it didn't work out um, and then unfortunately once in program I used a very structured way um, to work these 12 steps um, for several years and I thought that was logical and sane and I thought if I just put the food in the cups I'll be okay as long as I'm just abstinent I'll be okay if that's the most important thing today. But it wasn't until I understood that really the most important thing was for me to get a power greater than myself, um, that really I did have to have a faith. And in my religion, we say a faith of things unseen. That was what was going to carry the day for me because logic was always going to fail. Um, and my thinking, like this book just said, soft and mushy, was always soft and mushy because there was always... Um, I was always looking for the exact right way when truly it was for me to stop thinking, for me to stop trying to figure it out. Um, as a matter of fact, I appreciated that <laughs> my first sponsor here um, took me on because I said, I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. And so it had to become that I had to rely on this higher power. Um, and for today, um, this things unseen like I talk about or like I just said and the faith that I can't see has changed my life in ways that aren't logical it's not logical that I should have this 
incredible relationship with the mother that that I struggled with for 25 years. And just last week, we were talking like old pals. That's not logical. And that's only something that I got from absolutely relying on a higher power, surrendering to this program, and then just every day showing up repetitively, doing what I was told, doing 10 steps. And then I get this this um, wonderful life today. So that's all I have, and I pass. Thanks. Wow, Liz, for someone who didn't know what she was going to say, you did a great job getting us started. Thanks so much. Okay, we're going to transition into sharing now. Um, if you uh, have had a heartbeat in the past couple of days and have not shared, we would like to hear from you. Who would like to share on uh, on that first paragraph? Margaret D. Margaret. Marilyn N. Elise N. Elise John L. Sally A. John, Sally. Nancy P. Was it Nancy? Yes. I might have missed somebody in there. I got Margaret, Elise, John, Sally, and Nancy. Who did I miss there? Okay. Carolyn S.H. Carolyn, that's what it was. Okay, let's stop there. Okay, we got a good, we got a good start. We got a Margaret, Margaret, and Elise, and John, and Sally, and Nancy, and Carolyn, and we'll start off with Margaret. Good morning, Margaret. Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Margaret, and I am so grateful to be a recovered compulsive eater, um, and I'm in Georgia. This paragraph, um, I've been thinking about it for a couple days now. This whole um, section and what um, I think I've had like a little aha well for me it, it, it's it's been really important so when I was a little kid um, I was one or still am one of 11 and so our parents did not have a lot of time to you know specifically spend with each one of us and so um, I would ask my mother you know, different questions about things, and I would get these answers that were short and not necessarily very honest. Um, sometimes maybe the answer might be, and this will come as no surprise, it was around food. So one time she had made these um, um, pies, and when I came into the kitchen, I was probably about six or seven years old, and I could see evidence there was like cherry pits in the sink. The, you know, flour was all over the kitchen counter. There was um, syrup that had bubbled down outside the um, oven when the pies were cooking. And the smell was still in the air. And so I asked my mother, I said, oh, we're, you know, are we going to have, you know, pie for dinner? And she said, no, I didn't do anything. I didn't make anything. I was like. So I'm five or six, and I'm like, oh, okay. And my child's logic went, oh, this is my mother. So, okay, you know, I just implicitly believed her. And then after a while of having this kind of an answer, you know, where truly my senses said one thing, but I was told something else, I would instinctively, which I didn't know at the time was, just go into 
myself and kind of reason it out with my higher power. The long and the short of it is we had a cat that was going to have kittens. And um, so the cat delivered and I followed the cat to the barn and found the kittens. And the next time that I asked my mother something and she said, you know, gave me one of these answers that wasn't it. I thought, but you know what? I found those kittens and nobody helped me do that. And so my logic at that point said, okay, you can trust, you can trust your logic. You don't necessarily have to, you know, because God is within all of us from the moment we're born. And where I got off track and decided just to pay attention to the logic was as things happened during my life, like the death of my father and, you know, a few other things, because they were so emotionally upsetting to me, I couldn't use my logic. And that's when I decided, forget you, God, if this is the best that you can do, I'm not doing it. I'm just, you know, forget it. And that's when I started to turn to food. So this whole thing about logic, it is hard to, it's very, it was very hard for me to figure out what's logic, what's emotion, where I divorced my higher power because of misfortune or. um, Just a gentle reminder. And thank you for that gentle reminder. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thanks, Margaret. That's, I got to work on that. I don't like to give gentle reminders. Um, Elise, it's your turn. Good morning. Press star one. Uh, hi. hi, this is Elise. Hi, Elise. Elise, I think we lost you. If you would be kind enough to press star one again, that would be terrific. Hi, I'm sorry. This is Elise. Um, good morning. Good morning. Nice to be here. Um, uh, thank you for your service. I'm, um, you know, I'm really working hard at this point, getting in touch with a higher power. I had about ten months of abstinence of uh, really, you know, doing it well and clean, and then I picked up. I was got some, you know, just some going through some rough patches and, um, you know, picked up and I'm, I'm back on the wagon again. But the bottom line is that it's, um, this is not a program, you know, with the diet, with food support. And um, it's not, you know, it's not just about keeping a food plan. And there's a lot more to it, you know, in terms of this God stuff. And um, I'm working on you know, my relationship so that I can have a permanent, um, you know, permanent uh, recovery. Um, and uh, that's, um, you know, that's uh, through the, you know, prayer and meditation and giving over an 11th, uh, a 10th step um, and, uh, you know, keeping in touch with people also going to meetings. I haven't been on this meeting in a long time. So one of the steps I was going to just share, one of the steps I've taken now is I'm excited. I got the last room at the Marriott. I'm on the group rate. Uh, the other room is at the Marriott, but not on the group rate. And um, I think I'm going to go to the convention. So 
I'm also just putting out there that I'm looking for a roommate. Um, and I need somebody that's, uh, you know, Shomer Shabbos, that uh, keeps kosher, Shomer Shabbos, and I'm just putting it out there in case there's anyone on the line that would like to call me. And um, thanks for listening, and have a great day. Bye. Thanks so much, Elise. And just a reminder again, we're, we're sharing on the first paragraph of page 53, Logic is Great Stuff. And next up, hey, John, good morning. Oh, good morning, Larry. This is John L. I'm a recovering uh, compulsive overeater here in Arizona. And I just wanted to say um, my little trek through my faith and everything with uh, God. Uh, I was a proud graduate of a university here in Arizona. And I came out of there pretty confused and especially about God and all this other stuff. I remember the debates back then. Is it nature or nurture? And is there a God or is there not a God? But when I came to my first 12-step group, I had to face this, and I had to put down the debate club. I had to uh, give it a try and give it a go. And I'm here to tell you this works. I've been way below my um, high weight. It's very highly correlated with my work in um, Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, There is a God. I'm not him. And as far as all this debate club, me being content prior to investigation, I've learned that I could go take a math course and use that to disprove that there's a God if that's what I wanted to do. Today, I see God behind everything. He's in chemistry. He's in everything. And he keeps me away from the food. And I'm very grateful for that, for the 12-step group. Uh, The other thing is is that um, it's not all these sciences and logic. It's not uh, you know, the, the faith-based things and the steps. It's me that doesn't understand that rather than everything else in the world being wrong or in error. It's me and my understanding that's the error. And that's all I have, Larry. Thank you very much. Hey, John, thank you for your share. So we got Sally followed by Nancy. Hey, hey, Sally, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service to all of us and your gentle service, may I add. And um, I, too, wanted to jump in on this paragraph. And, um, you know, I never called myself agnostic or atheist in my life. I, I never identified with these words. And yet I never turned to God when I needed God. I looked at this and for a long time I didn't like this whole chapter because I thought, that's not me. I'm not one of those agnostics, excuse me. And, you know, it's interesting because it turns out that I really acted like an agnostic that I didn't know. Because truth be told, even though I walked around and said I had a belief, I didn't turn to my higher power. I had my own anger toward my higher power. I had my own reasoning for why I shouldn't turn to my higher power because my higher power is not nice to me. And I had all kinds of anger 
my relationship with my higher power was riddled with blockage. I might as well have been an agnostic because I wasn't really turning to my higher power. And so this sentence, hence we are at pains to tell you, and by the way, it was quite painful to talk about my higher power. Hence we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith, because my present faith wasn't really working, is reasonable. I couldn't really reason myself to my present faith for so many years of my life because my present faith wasn't working for me and I was pretty angry about that. Why we think it more sane, more sane than, I mean, the word sane always kind of stops me because I haven't had a lot of sane years of my life because of the food and even logical to believe than not to believe. So is it enough for me just to believe? Because, gee whiz, I know that there's something out there. I've had, I've had enough miracles in my life, real miracles, that I know that there is a God in my life. And yet, I don't turn to my God because I tend to think that he doesn't like me. He doesn't care about me. And therefore, I would have been better off being agnostic because then I would have at least have ground zero to start from. And so I have to say that maybe I have a resentment toward these people that are starting from ground zero because it seems like at least when you have no relationship, you can start with, uh, you know, you can start building on that relationship of nothing. Then when you have some relationship that's riddled with all kinds of of um, misnomers about what you think. And so why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. I'm, my, my, the moral of my story is I'm better off starting at ground zero with I really don't know and asking God to show me who he is and building from there. And it's a wonderful thing that we have this chapter here for all of us because I didn't embrace it for me for so much of my years in this program. It's here for me, too, to start at ground zero and to build a relationship with a higher power that loves me and means to do me good. And thanks for letting me share that I passed. Thank you, Sally. Okay, we have Nancy P. followed by Carolyn. Hey, Nancy, good morning. Hey, Larry, thanks for letting me share. Let me just set my timer. Okay. Um, Gracias. So, yeah, so logic is great stuff. And then it says, um, we were given the power to reason to examine the evidence of our senses. So I felt like the, evidences, the evidence of my senses was not making any connection from, into my brain. Like I would, you know, I have these senses and they're supposed to travel up to my brain and sort of make you know, have a synapse and, you know, fire up the engine and then, you know, make me act in such a way that would be logical, you know, sort of a logical progression. Um, but I had no, um, I, I, I had no way to act on the evidence of my senses because I was completely befogged or I, I don't know, I just, it was not possible for me. And not only that, I was suffering from contempt prior to investigation or 
contempt in spite of investigation or whatever you want to say. Like there just wasn't, there wasn't anything, there was no there there. And, um, you know, I had my, uh, another problem that I had was that I had decades of experience in Overeaters Anonymous. So it was like I was shellacked with it, but it didn't penetrate. It was like pr- pr- it, it, that, that shellac like gave me a, 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 a penetration proof membrane that nothing could get in. And, um, and so I, I, you know, hacked and stumbled and bulldozed my way through life, you know, just like what it says, I was like a tornado or, you know, um, and if, you know, when life tapped me on the shoulders and said, how about, you know, how about this job that you just lost or this car that you cracked up or this friend that will never speak to you again? My response was always, no, thank you. I've got this. And, um, you know, as usual, my message is about surrender. It was only when I just was exhausted and and felled by the circumstances of my life that I said, I don't know. Tell me what to do. And, you know, the answer never changed. The answer was always the same. The answers in this book have not changed. You know, they're still here in black and white. Like, nothing changes. It was only me that had to change. And that change for me was was painful. Um, and, but at the same time, you know, I only, di- I only said, okay, okay, I'll listen. That's all I did. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like cue the Handel music, I've arrived, you know, that didn't happen to me at all. In fact, I have to, I wouldn't say struggle, but I have to work on it every day because I don't stay believing. I don't stay, you know, away from food. I'm kept away from food. And, um, and I have to work on my belief because I am agnostic. I, you know, I prayed to a God that I never believed in. Oops, I'll stop. Um, so, um, you know, I prayed to a God that I never believed in and finally was brought, you know, one more inch into the water, another inch, another inch, and, and finally I'm there. But um, it's been a slog for me, but I'm happy that I've arrived and with that I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, we have Carolyn, and then we'll take some more names. Good morning, Carolyn. How are you? <laughs> Is that an Italian accent? Good morning, I don't know. It's Larry. a combination. <laughs> Good morning. I am setting my timer. Um, uh, I am Carolyn S.H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive eater calling from Massachusetts, and I'm a little sick, so sorry if I sound groggy or a little slow this morning. Um, uh logic is great stuff um uh it is not by chance we were given the power to reason to examine the evidence of our sense and to draw conclusions that is one of man's magnificent attributes i just love that because um it, what i what i'm learning and and this is um supported by so many other uh, parts of the book that i can't quote right now um, that it's not that we um, it's not that we use our minds it's that we use our minds incorrectly um, at least for me um, it, it's uh, when I relied solely on what I called logic um, my logic is uh, rife with um, really faulty beliefs and um, selfish motives and um, fear and doubt and insecurity 
Um, so the belief that I've nurtured for decades and decades, um, applying logic to them, I, I just wreak havoc <laughs> in my own life and people's lives. Um, but um, having done these steps and working the steps abstinently and getting to the point um, where I live in 10, 11, and 12, um, now my often, <laughs> not all the time, but often, um, my reasoning and the thoughts that I receive um, are on a completely different plane. That's somewhere in 84, 85, or 86. Um, that our thoughts become in a different plane. And um, that's what I just love about the big book, that it, it never tells us that we're, um, like, who we are is is bad. It's, we have a disease, and we're, and I should speak for myself, and I'm using my my attributes and my gifts um, incorrectly. And um, the only way to use them correctly is to be in conscious contact with a higher power. Um, and for me, the only way to be in conscious contact with a higher power is to absolutely work the steps. Um, and uh, I got 30 seconds, but I will feed those to, to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Carolyn. 30 seconds. Boy, we had extra time. Okay. So we are on page 53, uh, the first paragraph. Um, Liz got us started in grand fashion. Logic is great stuff. Um, who would like to share on what was read? Darlene H. Darlene. Amy. Amy. Sally A. From New Jersey. Sally. Got Sally. <clears throat> Anybody else? Lane C. Lane. Monica T. Harmonica. Hey. Okay. Well, there's a group. We got a good group here. We got Darlene, Amy, Sally, Lane, and Monica. All right. So let's let's get started with Darlene. Buongiorno, Darlene. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Darlene H. from Columbia, South Carolina, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. This paragraph really speaks to me. Um, I grew up in a family that we had a religion. Um, I went to church every week. We followed the sacraments. But I never, when I look back, I never really connected with anything outside of the traditions of that faith, uh, that religion that we went to. I also grew up in that same family with the belief that um, there's the saying that my oldest brother still says today, inserts our last name, we can do anything, you know, we can conquer all, we get through it, we figure it out, we're strong. And that was really the uh, religion of my family is self-sufficiency and not no dependence on anything, excuse me, outside of ourselves. Excuse me, I also recall over the years my father always saying to me, you know, you have street smarts, you have common sense, you can figure stuff out. And then as I got older, I, I began to work. There's a line in here that talks about uh, we agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself to reasonable approach and interpretation. So the work that I do 
um, we have regulations, and the comment always is that each regulation is up to interpretation, and that's basically just how I lived my life, lack of faith and interpretation. Uh, and I, too, had a lot of years in OA, and I, I got on my knees every morning, and I said all the prayers and the gratitude list and all of that, but when push came to shove and tough times came, I always fell back on self-sufficiency because I never believed in that power. So fast forward to today, truly putting down the food, truly saying, I don't know. I don't know. I, what I do know is that my self-sufficiency hasn't helped me in the past, so I'm willing to be open and listen and uh, see what happens. And it's mind-blowing to me what has happened. You know, after spending almost 20 years in and out of the rooms of OA, for the first time, I now have freedom from the obsession and the compulsion of food and food behaviors. And I have a real faith, like I have real love for a power greater than me. And that happened in such a short amount of time, I cannot even believe it some days. Well, almost every day, I can't believe it. But I just get up every day and I do it again. And I do it again. And I pray throughout the day and, and uh, I tell my higher power I love him. <laughs> you know, like that's mind-blowing to me. It was totally unexpected. Um and now I talk of God. That was another thing growing up. We didn't talk about religious things. We didn't talk about God, you know, except that God's going to get you, you know, that kind of thing. And now it's a total different experience. And I'm incredibly grateful. Thank you for letting me share with that I pass. Thanks, Darlene. Oops. Thanks, Darlene, for sure. Okay, we've got Amy followed by Sally. Amy, buenos dias. Good morning. Uh, bonjour. Bienvenido. Hola. <laughs> Hola, Larry. Thank you. We're not a glum lot, right? That's <laughs> right. My name right. is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Um, I, I love what everyone's saying. I'm just going to jump on the bandwagon. You know, logic is great stuff, but unfortunately, because of the twofold nature of this disease, uh, logic was not logical for me. I had a mental obsession that it talks about it in step one in the AA 12 and 12, uh, you know, an obsession. I, my mind was warped with such an obsession for destructive eating that I could not think clearly, nor could I think logically. Add in the phenomenon of craving when I put my binge foods, logic was, was nothing. Logic took a backseat to everything. You know, it talks about evidence of our senses. Because of my mind and my logic not working correctly, uh, my senses said, hey, I sense I'm feeling restless, irritable, and discontent, so the food's going to make me feel better. So I draw the conclusion that food is okay because it's going to make me feel better. You know, I had a lot of senses, a lot of things. All of those old ideas were me drawing conclusions, what I thought were logical because of how my life worked and what was going on in my life. If you feel pain, if you hate someone, you don't like someone, you resent someone, you act in a manner that whatever you felt like acting, and then you, you know, you had food to numb the pain. And so what driven to, you know, we're talking about evidence here and agnosticism, and I think that the, the, for me, my agnosticism is like many others. You know, hey, God, give me this. He didn't give me what I wanted. Therefore, I draw the conclusion that God is not for me. And that's my logic because my mind was warped. 
And to me, logic is great. Like it says here, we like it. But as long as it takes a backseat to humility and surrender and ego reduction, all of those things that I had to learn when I came to this program, that one, my thinking was not clear and that it was warped, and that two, I had to look at the evidence and the proof in whom the problem had been solved. You all were showing me a different kind of logic and reason that said I need a power greater than myself. I needed someone that could help me with my logic, with my senses, with my thinking, so that I could think clearly enough to work this program. And a lot of that was to say, I don't know, and you all need to tell me what it is I need to know. And for me, that was just putting the food down, having a food plan, being abstinent. That's the prerequisite. It isn't everything, but that's the prerequisite. And then to get down to the business of working the steps that my logic meter was not working. You know, the barometer was not working. So therefore, I had to look at the evidence and draw the conclusion in you. You all were showing me proof of recovery. I could look in your eyes and I could sense, see, and see the evidence of your recovery and being recovered. And that's what I wanted more than anything else because driven by this disease, beaten and pummeled by this disease, I needed a different way. My logic wasn't working. And with that, I'll pass. Merci, Amy. Thank you so much. Okay, Sally followed by Lane. Hey, Sally, good morning. Hey, Larry, good morning. This is Sally A, number two uh, from New <laughs> Jersey. Um, I am so glad to be on this line. So grateful. Yeah, logic doesn't work because I'm powerless. I've proven that to myself over and over again. I can have the best of intentions, read all the books, even the OA literature, the big book, listen to all of you, I got this, and boom, I'm on the floor, knocked out by the food every stinking time. So there has to be a power greater than all of this. And, and I started to believe that. And I see how the steps uh, are in order for a reason. Um, because I feel like for me, the first step was the hardest because, you know, who wants to think they're powerless, especially when they're capable in so many other areas of their life. And um, I heard another addiction speaker talk about um, something about many of us cling to our old self-loathing because there's a distorted security and familiar pain. Um, we know how to suffer. We don't know how to be blessed. And I love that. I memorized it because I think there's a fear in me of being blessed or there's a fear of me of being recovered. There, even though it's something I want more than anything, there's some type of fear behind it. Like, well, what's, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to become this like different person? I don't want to lose what I'm so familiar with, no matter how much pain I'm in. There's still a loss of that identity that I've had my whole life. So I probably end up sabotaging myself as well because there's a part of me that feels like maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe I don't deserve to be blessed, but I know I do, but it's a, not a logical thing. It's definitely a spiritual thing. And I visited my brother in jail. Um, he's doing well, by the way, um, a few days ago. And we talked about surrender and he was an addict. Too. He's an addict too. Um, and he's my Ebby. He brought me to the rooms and he's doing well. And he said to me, you know, the difference between, you know, choosing your religion, following it, and then doing this program is I'm surrendering uh, willingly, you know, whereas when we were in kids, you know, in our religion, we had to surrender whether we liked it or not. 
um, and we were afraid of God. But now it's like there's a willingness um, that wasn't there before. You know, I'm willingly surrendering my will to God, and I'm happy, and I'm doing it happily, like you all say all the time. So thanks for letting me share. Have a great day, everybody. Ciao, Sally. Thank you. Okay, we have Lane followed by Monica. Hola, Lane. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, my fellows. Uh, this is Lane C., a recovered compulsive overeater in Rochester, New York. Um, and and my cat's checking into you in the back. Um, so, you know, I, I love this. Um, I love this uh, paragraph and this um, chapter because I think what it's inviting us, uh, inviting us into is into some balance in our lives. And um, for me, as someone who spent uh, you know, 30 plus years of my life, um, relying on logic as a way to try and make my way out of this disease. Um, this, you know, the second step in this program has really invited me to kind of overcorrect to find the balance and to really to rely much more heavily on my higher power than on my own logic and my own thinking. I'm grateful to my logic because I think in some ways uh, my thinking was, you know, in my in my head and in my uh, brain were some of the first hints of like, oh my God, I probably need this program. Um, oh, you know, I, oh my gosh, I'm finding myself overeating. Oh my gosh, I'm finding myself uh, not being able to stop when I want to. I'm finding myself um, eating sugar and not being able to put it down. Um, but, you know, but that's kind of, that's, you know, that, that was the gift of my logic. This program is that in some ways it brought me here, but then we get here and there is this invitation to say like, okay, and now all the ways that we've, all the sort of strategies and mental plans and, um, you know, kind of ridiculous ways that we've tried with our mind to cure this disease have not worked up until this point. We have to come to terms with that reality. I mean, that is for me what it is to be powerless. That is for me what it is to take the second step and the third step too, is to say like my own plans and designs uh, do not work. And so, you know, I heard all the evidence here on this line and, and you know, was invited into this, into this um, way to surrender and to put down, uh, you know, this logic, not to say that like, I'm, you know, I'm not someone who thinks at all anymore, but you know, I was raised in a very atheist agnostic tradition in which uh, we put, we based so much on logic. Logic was like the thing we worshiped. Um, and so for me, I've really had to kind of overcorrect and start with what I think I heard earlier in the week, and maybe this is you, Larry, was, uh, you know, embracing some more of this beginner's mind, some, some more of this, you know, I don't know, and more of this humility and open stance that we've been hearing about from so many powerful shares today. Um, I'm really grateful to be on this journey uh, with you all and to be um, open today and more open today because I've heard from you all. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah, I stole that from Harlan. Um, Harmonica, good morning. Shalom. Hey, good morning, hey. <laughs> Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater presently in Vermont. And here we are in the chapter, we agnostics, we without knowledge, I who don't believe in uh, this higher power, I'm having a lot of difficulty with this stuff. And so this whole chapter here, they're trying to get me to look at things a little differently. You know, Monica, how's your way working? Well, it wasn't working. That's what brought me to OA and uh, in a lot of pain. And, well, are you willing to think something different or look at something different? 
So they say logic is great stuff. You know, I didn't even really know what that meant, and I like that they give me the definition. It's the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses. You know, to use my um, my senses, my my thinking, my my touch, my sight, my you know, to draw conclusions. Well, on some level, I'd come to the conclusion that, you know, I had a problem, and that's what brought me to OA, but boy, this stuff you all were talking about, I wasn't too sure, uh, you know, that I wanted to have anything to do with this stuff. But, you know, they're saying here, well, yeah, okay, we understand, the majority of us felt this way, and it's hard to believe in something, to have faith in something a higher power, you know, maybe you were taught this higher power thing was mean and out to get you. And, you know, you certainly don't want to turn to something like that. But, you know, something has worked for us here. We think our present faith is reasonable. Why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe. They say, they're saying to us, they're saying, look, we've been through this. Our experience shows We've got the truth. We've got the solution. We've got something that works. Our experience shows it. Are you willing to try thinking a little bit out of the box and give it a shot? But you got to lose anyway, you know? I didn't have anything to lose because I was at the bottom of of the pit. So, you know, logic, coming to a conclusion. So step one, I came to the conclusion by looking back at my history, that, yeah, I was totally powerless over this food stuff. And I had an allergy. That made a lot of sense, and that was helpful. And now in step two, I've got to come to the conclusion that I don't have any power at all, and I need a power that's greater than me. And I'm, am I willing to give it a shot? It's worked for them. I'm looking, you know, it's worked for them, and I want it. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. Okay, we have time for two, let me get my abacus out here, two, two and a half minute shares. Who would like those? Carmela G. Carmela. Anybody else? Okay. Hey, Jody uh, E. Hey, Jody. Fan Hi, M. Jody. Tell you what, let's go with Carmela and Jody. We'll see where we're at. Hey, Carmela, good morning. Buongiorno. Buongiorno, Larry. How are you? <laughs> Good. This is a very grateful, compulsive overeater, Carmela G. from New York. Um, and logic. I grew up for many years saying, knowledge is power. I must have power, so therefore I must be the smartest. I must strive. You can't be any smarter than I, and I have to get all these credentials to verify that I am great. And I was so great that I ate myself up the scale and almost to the undertaker. And and that's what Carmilla did. An agnostic? No, I'm not agnostic. I believe in God. But yet I kept telling God to get out of my way and be my errand boy. And um, this program worked miracles. I 
heard about this program, ran from it, and then when I was truly desperate, someone said to me, you really need to go back and work the big book. See, I heard about the program and I heard about people, yeah, 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 but I didn't hear people who were working the book. And that's what hooked me. And I have to say, people always worry about step four, but step one was my fearful one because all of my reason, everything that I learned in life, to say I was powerless was very frightening. But today, through this magnificent program of working these steps, being powerless and surrendering to a God that is so merciful and kind and loving has been a wonderful life, not just for me, but for everyone who works it with me. And thank you so much, Larry, and I pass. Thanks, Carmela. And now the calmest voice west of the Mississippi, Jody E. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Larry. Good morning to you and to everybody. Yes, it is quite dark here in California <laughs> and early, but things are good here. It's a good place to be right now. So I am Jody E., a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I'm not the most logical person in the world, but I did try to go to nutrition school in hopes of understanding my problem better. And I learned about protein and carbohydrates and fats and vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and essential fatty acids and all that kind of stuff, which is good. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I have the knowledge that I have. But was that power? Not at all. I can remember driving home from a three-hour train, you know, less, uh, lecture and stopping off and binging somewhere on something. So it, it certainly wasn't the power I needed to master to, I don't know if that's quite the right word, to, uh, to recover. I needed a spiritual solution. I needed to get with you all. I needed to get with a group of compulsive overeaters who were working the steps, who were uh, using a text that tells us how to work the steps, and who were actually doing it, and who were actually abstaining. That's what I seem to have needed. It was uh, difficult to go it alone. It was impossible. I believe that the spiritual solution includes connection. Connection with a higher power and connection with other compulsive overeaters. And I probably was going to nutrition school with other compulsive overeaters. I probably was. I'm certain I was. But we didn't have the solution. We were looking for the solution in knowledge and facts, not in the spirit, the realm of the spirit. So it didn't work. And I'm just so very, very, very grateful that I found all of you who study this book and who work these 
Thank you so much, Larry and everybody. Take care. Thanks, Jody. Okay, what a good way to end the meeting. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let's see, I didn't, Leah, I didn't get the share ID. Um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. Um, we will now close uh, with the reading from the share big book ID. on page one. Thanks, Leah. Yes, share ID. 13,367. That's 13367. You're hired, Leah. You're hired. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, okay, we will now close with the reading from the big, from the Grande book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Hoodie R please read um, A Vision for You? Hey, Hoodie, good morning. Certainly, Larry. This is Hoodie R. Uh, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. <laughs>